Matthew 13, 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the word of God. Well, good morning and welcome again to Emmanuel Church. Uh, we're so glad that you're joining us for worship this morning. Uh, my name is Tim and I'm one of the pastors here at Emmanuel and it's a joy to be able to uh, preach God's word this morning. Um, let's all pray together one more time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for calling us here uh, to gather together to, to be in your presence. And thank you for giving us these words that are words of life to us. With Spirit, give us understanding, uh, be present with us as we consider what you have for us today. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're going to wrap up our sermon series on the topic of the love of God. And for the last few weeks, we've been considering uh, different aspects of God's love each week. Uh, whether it was uh, the promising love of God, uh, God's love that's like a, a mother, the transformative love of God, uh, his love like a husband. And, and I hope that as we've been looking at a different aspect of his love each week that uh, we're able to really appreciate, better appreciate just how rich God's love is for us. Uh, well, today we're going to look at uh, two of Jesus's parables uh, in the book of Matthew to finish off our series. And parables are these stories that are drawn from everyday experiences uh, to illustrate a point. And if you're familiar with the, the teachings of Jesus, he would often use parables um, as a teaching device. He would help make things that are a bit abstract, things that were a bit vague, and make them more concrete and relatable. Uh, and the parables we're considering this morning, they describe what the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like. And, and because the love of God is so central to God's kingdom, uh, these parables are gonna show us three things about God's love. And so we're going to look at, first, the love of God is broad and wide. Secondly, the love of God is valuable. And then lastly, the love of God is relentless. So first, the love of God is broad and wide. Now, in each parable, there's somebody who finds the kingdom of heaven. Uh, but notice that there's a, a difference in how they, they find it. Now, in the first parable, there's somebody who's just going about their normal day. Uh, maybe they're working the fields, plowing the land. And then all of a sudden, they stumble upon this treasure. Now, back then, people in the ancient world, they were known to bury their assets and worth uh, underneath the ground. And, and it, was, it was like their version of safe deposit boxes. And so uh, here in the first parable, uh, this person was somebody who was not actively trying to find uh, the treasure. Now, in contrast, the person in the second parable, uh, this person's a merchant in search of fine pearls. 
And so this person probably had very fine taste, had the means to not only look for pearls, but also to discern the value of pearls and to actually buy them. So in the second parable, this is a person who's actively looking and searching. And, and both of these people are probably more different than similar. The one in the first parable, maybe a farmer, the other is a merchant, maybe a business owner. The first one may not have a whole lot of wealth, while the other does. One finds the treasure by accident, one finds a treasure by actively seeking out. But despite these differences, both encounter the kingdom. And I think this shows us that the love of God is broad and wide. The kingdom of God is filled with a beautiful mosaic of people, people from different ethnicities, educational background, financial capital, people from cities, suburbs, rural towns. And, and there's also diversity in, in how people uh, encounter Christianity. You know, if we were to survey our church, I, I would think that there would be a lot of different stories of how people came to know and believe in Jesus. There'd probably be stories of people who from a very early age trusted in Jesus. There are others who maybe began to see the, the compelling nature of Jesus at uh, an adult age. There might have been people here who considered different kinds of religions and, and worldviews, but then they ended up uh, seeing that Christianity was the most persuasive. And so there's no set or fixed way to encounter the kingdom. And there's nothing that, that, that can disqualify anyone from approaching the kingdom of God. And so I think this has uh, real implications for us on how we relate to those that are around us. And so if Jesus says that somebody can accidentally stumble upon the kingdom of God, or someone can find it after a long, hard search, it means that we can't rule anyone out from being included in God's family. You know, there are some of us who have uh, family and friends who we dearly love, and, and we long for them to know Jesus. We probably pray regularly, maybe even daily, that Jesus would rescue them. But sometimes it, it seems like, gosh, there's, there's just no hope. Right? There's no chance that this person is going to follow Jesus. There are people that we know that are, are getting older. They're starting to number their days. There are others we might know who are just so resistant to Christianity. But these parables show us that a day could come when they might just stumble upon the beauty of Jesus. At the same time, uh, we should be careful to not rule anyone out of the kingdom of God. 
Right? If the love of God is truly broad and wide, it means that even the people we might least expect to be a follower of Jesus could actually become one. And so are, are there people that we might have ruled out? Are there people that we, we wouldn't want to be rescued by Jesus? You know, it pains us to think that the love and mercy of God could be available to them. Uh, take, for instance, the Apostle Paul. Right, prior to his conversion, uh, it was his life, mission, and purpose to persecute the early church. And at some point, he decides to travel to the city of Damascus to uh, arrest more Christians. And then on his way there, he encounters the risen Jesus. And he's completely overwhelmed by this experience. And he even loses his, his vision for, for a bit. And in this encounter, Jesus tells him, continue on to Damascus. And when you arrive there, you're going to meet a person by the name of Ananias and he's going to take care of you. And then meanwhile, God goes to Ananias to give him a heads up about what's going to happen, and, and he tells Ananias, hey, when you see this person Saul come through, lay your hands on him so that his vision would be restored. And in that passage, Ananias responds with, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And so understandably, Ananias, he's a little bit hesitant, reluctant to offer any kind of help to Saul. But Saul enters the city, Ananias finds him, and lays his hands on him as God commanded it. And this is a remarkable scene. Right? You have Saul, a man who intended to arrest and imprison all the Christians in Damascus, and now he's completely helpless. And then you have Ananias, a Christian who knew full well about Saul's reputation about how he was wreaking havoc against the early church. But then Ananias lays his hands on Saul, and he says, Brother Saul. You know, at one point, Ananias completely ruled out Saul as being part of the church community. But God did not disqualify Saul. And when Ananias lays hands on Saul to restore his vision, Saul's blindness wasn't the only one that was being healed. Because what we see here is Ananias began to see Saul with new eyes. He no longer ruled him out. He called Saul his brother. And so these parables that we're looking at today, they show us that there are no limits to who can be in the kingdom of heaven. And, and maybe this could be a way to help inform us how we can pray for others at the least. We can pray for those who, who look like they just don't appear interested in Christianity. 
and, the, and we could pray that they would one day stumble upon the love of Jesus. We can pray for those that, that we've ruled out, that, that our hearts might be softened to know that the love of God can really extend to them and that the love of God is for them. And so the love of God is truly broad and wide. And now secondly, we'll see that the love of God is also valuable. Now, one way that you can uh, figure out the value of something is by how much you're willing to spend and pay for it. So in each of these parables, uh, the, the, the people sell everything that they own. And then with that money, they buy their respective treasure. And so here we see that there is no cost too great for them to gain their prized treasure because it is so valuable to them. It's worth sacrificing everything and anything to be able to have it. And in the first parable, the response of the man, uh, it, it shows us just how valuable the treasure is to him. Uh, Jesus says, in his joy, uh, goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. And in each parable, the, the sacrifice they made, it doesn't even seem to affect them at all. Right? Instead, they're absolutely delighted. They're, they're full of joy to do this. They can't believe that they found something so incredibly valuable. It's a no-brainer for them to give everything up so that they could have this treasure. But this does not mean that the kingdom of God is the only thing that has value and worth. In the parable of the pearl, it says that the, the merchant is in search of fine pearls, right? He's not searching just for the one finest pearl in the world. And, and all of us here, we, we can appreciate things of, of value and of worth, right? There, there are fine pearls that all of us are searching for, aren't there? Things like uh, a committed relationship, you know, career satisfaction, being able to finally finish off our program, obedient potty-trained children. And there can be this restlessness within us, you know, because either we don't, we don't have any of these or they haven't met up to our expectations. So this parable shows us that as much as these so-called fine pearls in our lives have value, none of them are intended to be the one pearl of great value. One pastor said this, this physical created world with all of its sights, sounds, locations, experiences, and relationships has no capacity to make your heart content. This physical world was designed by God to be one big finger that points you to the only place where your heart will find satisfaction and rest. Your heart will only rest when it finds its rest in God and God alone. And so friends, we, we all have things that are valuable to us, things that we 
we believe that are bringing us pleasure and joy and comfort. And so for you, what are those fine pearls in your lives? What kind of value have we placed on them? And are they truly delivering on the kind of significance, the kind of joy, the kind of pleasure that we, we hope that they would provide for us? And then how does God stack up against these pearls? Does, does, does the kingdom of God have so much value that it, it brings us great joy that we're willing to just give up whatever so that we could have, have it? Or is the kingdom of God just one of many different options in our lives? The man and the merchant in these parables, they were blown away when they encountered the kingdom. And so how can we also see that, that God is truly of ultimate value to us? Well, that leads us to our final point. The love of God is relentless. Now, um, on the surface, these two parables, they, they look very similar to one another. You, you have two different people who are searching for something of incredible value. They both sell everything to be able to get it. Uh, but there is a difference. Well, in the first parable, we can probably understand why this person did what he did. You know, if the treasure that he finds is indeed of immense value, then, then of course he's going to sell everything. Uh, to be able to get that field and then be able to have that treasure there. Even, even though that he sells everything that he has, the treasure probably is going to be worth more than everything that, that he has, and so he will end up with a net gain. But then the mer merchant situation is a little different. Right? He, he gave up all that he owned so that he would be left with just one single pearl. And it doesn't sound like this merchant is going to sell this pearl to get all the value of, uh, yeah, of the pearl. You know, he gives up everything, everything, to just have one pearl. And so the merchant probably ends up with a net loss. And so for each of the people in these parables, the tables completely turned on them. In the first parable, the, the man probably is now, he's an owner. He's leveled up in his own life. In the second parable, the merchant might now be in poverty. Right? He's, just, he's just going about his day with having just one pearl in his pocket. And so how, how are we supposed to make sense of all this? Now, what's interesting is how Jesus frames each of these parables. In the parable of the hidden treasure, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And then in verse 45, Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. So the first parable really tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like 
this hidden treasure. It's it's of immense value. And the second parable tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. But then who might this merchant be? Who has been on a search for something so valuable? Who, when they find it, they give up everything, literally everything. Friends, the merchant in the second parable is pointing to Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he once said, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And so do you see what the scriptures are trying to show us? Each of us is that great pearl of value. We are so valuable to Jesus that it was worth it to him to leave the comforts of heaven, a place where there was no sin, there was no brokenness. He left that to then travel the lengths of the universe to go on a search to find and rescue us. We are so valuable to Jesus that he was willing to give up everything. He was stripped completely naked. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was nailed to a cross. He died a death that he did not deserve so that he could have each and every one of us. And friends, this is the relentless love of Jesus. He will do anything. And Jesus has done everything so that we could have the life that God intended for us from the very beginning of time. And so do you see that we have been sought after by the God of the universe? That we are of ultimate value to Jesus, that he was willing to sell everything, give it all up, even dying for us. And what this means is that the kingdom of God ultimately is not something that we are on the search for. But friends, the kingdom of God is on the search and has been searching for you. The kingdom of God isn't something that that we need to try to buy. But the kingdom of God has come down to us to buy you. The Apostle Paul said at another point, we have been bought with a price. Jesus sees each of us as his ultimate treasure, that it's worth it to him not only to become poor, but to give up his life so that we would have life. So the kingdom can be of ultimate value because we are of ultimate value to Jesus. And this changes everything. Friends, the relentless love of Jesus has sought after you. Jesus seeks people from all different walks of life. And what this means is there's, there's no set template in how we encounter the kingdom. And so let's, let's be careful to not rule out anyone 
from the kingdom of God. Because Jesus didn't rule us out. And while the kingdom of God has ultimate value, it doesn't mean that it then devalues everything else around us. All things have inherent value, but they're intended to point us to God himself, to the infinite value of the kingdom. So let's look to Jesus, the greater merchant, the one who is willing to become poor so that we would be rich, the one who is willing to give up everything, to even lay his life down so that we would have life, the one who joyfully endured the cross because we were worth it to him. We are his treasure. We are his one pearl of great value. And so, friends, let's receive, let's delight in this relentless love of Jesus today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your incredible love for us. A love that is beyond our imaginations, but a love that has come so that we would know that we are loved, that you, the God of the universe, would come and seek us out. Uh, Jesus, you gave up everything. You left everything seeking us out. You were relentless in pursuing after us and winning us over. I pray that that would be a tremendous encouragement to us. It would bring us great joy this day. It would then allow us to look out, to declare, to tell, and to show this beautiful love to our neighbors. God, encourage us as we consider our friends and family who who have yet to encounter you. God, may they stumble upon Jesus. And God, soften our hearts too as we think about those that we've ruled out. Remind us that you you never ruled us out. That your love and mercy is indeed broad. It's wide. And God, may the value of the kingdom continue to be something that we recognize each day that it will move us to worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.